Welcome to episode 15 of the Princeton Podcast with Mayor Mark Frieda. In this episode, Mark sat down with Elizabeth Romano, the founder and project director of the new Princeton Einstein Museum of Science, currently in the process of funding and development. Elizabeth brings to this project many years' experience in marketing and public relations, and most recently, her 28-year tenure in leadership positions at the Liberty Science Center, where she promoted the center's programs, exhibitions, and films to the public and the media. This is a very exciting episode, so without any further introduction, let's join Mark Frieda and Elizabeth Romano for episode 15 of the Princeton Podcast. Elizabeth, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, Mark. Happy to have you here, truthfully. Um, so, Elizabeth, you have this idea for Princeton. Can you, uh, can you share what, what that idea is? Yeah, I really think that it would be fabulous if we had a boutique Einstein Science Museum to, you know, remind people about the fact that Einstein lived here for 22 years. This is where he chose to live and also inspire the next generation of thinkers and scientists and artists as we look at what inspired him in his life. Yeah, I have to agree. It is, it, it is, it's a pretty interesting life that, it, that he had. Uh, and it, it generates a lot of interest. A lot of people come to Princeton for that. Um, but, you know, my understanding is that you actually have, you're, you're not just somebody randomly trying to start a museum. You actually have expertise in this area. Can you describe what that is? Yeah, well, first of all, I lived in Princeton most of my life and uh, heard lots of stories from my dad and others who were undergraduates at Princeton who would encounter Einstein here and there. Wonderful, very warm stories about him as a person. And I also spent the last 28 years working at Liberty Science Center in Jersey City, which is a major hands-on science center. So I have a pretty good idea about how a museum is put together, why it needs to be run by a business, and how to really delight people who come in the door. Um. Okay, so I guess the next natural question is, do you have a preferred location for this uh, potential museum? You know, I have one location that I think would be fabulous, which is the Triumph Brewing Building on Nassau Street, 138 Nassau. It is large, 11,000 square feet. It has a 30-foot high ceiling, and the brick is just wonderful. I love the brick, the, the texture of it on the inside. So that's the building I really hope to put the museum into. And that, that building has such a interesting history, having been a bowling alley at one time. It's been a, a number of uh, restaurants slash bars and the, the brew pub Triumph, which recently just closed there and hopes to move elsewhere. So this is kind of, to me, it's, it's, it's kind of cool and interesting that it might have an, another great use. Uh, and this would be a tremendous use uh, as the museum, as the Einstein uh, Museum of Science. Um, you mentioned the high ceiling, but you know, and the interesting brickwork. Are there other things about the building that that you think make it attractive for this type of use? Or Well, oddly enough, I love, if you've been into Triumph, you've seen it has a very long entrance because the building is actually behind the row of buildings that face Nassau streets. So you walk down a very long hallway and that will be a great place to put some Trump Loy, you know, space fabric time flooring down. I've seen some that's astonishing looking and sort of start, the introduction to the experience right there. Also, it will let us line up an entire school group out of the rain. So that's one plus. And the building is very long and comes out onto the alley in the back. And there has been some discussion about putting a visitor center in there with restrooms and so forth near the retail area so that the Princeton merchants who are often besieged by people using the bathroom 
will not be in the bathroom business anymore. They can go back to, you know, <laughs> what they're good at and send them down the street to the Einstein Museum to uh, use the facilities. Yeah, that's it's really well thought out here so far. This is pretty cool. <laughs> um, and then um, I, I think you mentioned that you lived in Princeton for quite a while. Did, did you actually grow up here or you just been here for quite a while? I'm sorry, I missed, missed that detail. Um, you know, we moved here in the very early 60s, went to D.C. for two years, came back, um, I think, in 64. And then I lived here until I, you know, went to college, had an adventure. And then I came back in 88, I guess, and I've been here ever since. Yeah, I think I, I always find that when people want to do something large, this type of scale of, uh, of endeavor, ha having a sense of, of the community, and having been here a while, uh, I think is very helpful and helps you make connections and, you know, connect the dots. And my mother, my mother was chairman of the regional planning board for a long time. She and a group of other people saved the Princeton Battlefield Park from development and also the DNR Canal Park. They were very instrumental in sort of shaping how Princeton looks now. And my dad was a local physician. So, you know, my roots go very deeply into the community. Um, it's talking about your parents kind of jives in my mind that, um, you know, your parents' uh, generation, as you said, they they saw Einstein on the street. They could talk to him. Uh, so, but it seems that direct connection is fading more and more every day, right? Because, I mean, we're all getting older. And so the, the people that were alive when Einstein was here, that's probably a shrinking uh, group of people. Yeah, I think very much shrinking. And, you know, when I walk around, I can see the places where my dad said, you know, Einstein was there and he was eating an ice cream cone and he'd forgotten about it. And the ice cream was dripping off his elbow as he walked along. You know, all these wonderful little vignettes. And I've heard other vignettes from people saying that, you know, Einstein was once walking past a field where some little boys were trying to throw a boomerang. And he went and he said, oh, here, you're doing that wrong. Let me show you. He took the boomerang from them and threw it so that it came back. And I just think that connectiveness to all to Princeton people, his willingness to be one of us and move among us made him different than other luminaries we've had in town in the sense that he was very approachable. And I think that too is, is another reason to put up this museum. You know, he was one of us. Yeah. I mean, having, uh, you know, so I, I'm here mostly to talk to you, but I'm going to jump in with another little story because, you know, you said that, you know, there's all these, these connections, but, um, you know, my mother worked at Princeton hospital when it was in town, uh, for a long time. And, uh, you know, she met him some number of times when he was, a uh, when he was a patient and, and seeing him around town. So I, I, as, as you said, you know, there's these little vignettes of, of people that actually, um, interacted with Einstein, uh, and to, to get those stories and share those stories, I, I think is extremely interesting. Yeah, and the Historical Society, you know, has a lot of Einstein furniture. They're really going to interpret Einstein in a different way. So I'm trying to really think about his science. And the reason to do that is we always need the next generation of young scientists and technologists, you know, to inspire kids, to get them to take the classes, to, you know, get their parents thinking more broadly about their, what their kids could do. And also, Einstein was a super creative guy. Um, he used, in a sense, someone said to me once, well, he was an artist. He used pictures in his head to figure out problems. I think that's a very interesting concept. So the historical museum will, the historical society will interpret sort of Einstein's life. And we're going to interpret his, his persona, his thinking, his creativity, um, so we're going to do it together, I hope. Yeah. So looking at the uh, the building that Triumph Brew Pub just 
basically closed at, you know, I, I guess that's going to be somewhat of a challenge to convert that to this use. What, how hard is that? Yeah, it, you know, I, I think this is the case anytime you try to start a museum. And the startup costs are fairly significant. Um, having crunched the numbers a number of times and talked to some bankers and investment types, they tell me that it will be self-supporting once we get it going. But I feel like there's a mountain to climb in front of me because I'm trying to raise, you know, probably three to four million dollars to buy the building. And then I probably need another ten million dollars to outfit it. It needs a new roof, a new HVAC system. In the age of COVID, we want higher air handling capabilities. Um, I haven't been able to you know, put a hard budget together, but it's, it's a significant amount of money. On the other hand, it's the payback to the town and the merchants and even central New Jersey, I think is going to be large and we'll be very happy down the road that we did this. We made the investment. Were there approvals or agreements that you needed to get from either Einstein's living relatives or other entities that might hold any kind of rights or anything to his, I don't know, image or whatever? Yeah, so that was the first thing I did. It turns out that um, the Hebrew University in Jerusalem holds the rights to his uh, some of his images and his his name and so forth. But in New Jersey, those rights expire 50 years after a person dies. So Einstein's been dead 66 years now, um, give or take. I don't know what month he died. Um, so we're, we're, we're fine on that. We can use his name and his persona. I did write to the Hebrew University introduce myself and tell them what we're doing just so that everybody knows what we're up to. Um, I also contacted Einstein's family in Germany and also in the U.S. And the woman in the U.S. actually came to see me and yeah. you actually one morning. <laughs> we sat outside of Triumph, uh, no, I'm sorry, out of uh, Small World Coffee and uh, met and she was delighted and interested in the project. And so, and I also, the German cousins also said fine because this is not a shrine to Einstein, which he did not want. This is an exploration of his ideas. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I do, uh, I, I do remember that we, we sat there and it was a very nice conversation. Very nice people. Yeah. Very warm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, you've done, uh, you've done a lot of legwork already. That is for sure. Um, you know, looking at the, you have a website set up, uh, which yeah. people can, can go to. But, you know, you list um, a number of people there, uh, people that could be, I guess, on a board. You have advocates. Can we, I don't know, can you share like maybe who some of the people are and what they're yeah. might be willing to do? So if, if, uh, if listeners want to go to PrincetonEinsteinMuseum.org, they can kind of poke around and see what's there. Um, we have three different groups of people. We have trustees who are the people who are sort of managing the development on a day-to-day -day basis. We have advisors, and those are the people I can ask if I have questions about things. So we have a retired architect. We have someone who used to be a major fundraiser for um, PBS in New York City. We have a woman who teaches middle school science to uh, a former Abbott District School in Orange, New Jersey. So all of those people can kind of advise us on, <clears throat> you know, questions I may have. And then we have our advocates, which are kind of the, the top level people who have agreed to lend their name and their expertise to this project. And they include two Nobel Prize winning physicists at the university, um, Jim Peebles and Joe Taylor, uh, and also the chair of the Department of Art at Princeton, Rachel Delow, has been very interested in this because we want to use some art 
to help interpret Einstein's work. She and I had coffee also at Small World. <laughs> it's like my little office down there. Um, and also recently, uh, we have had some people join us from Harvard and MIT who are interested in the project. So I would say people are universally interested in doing this. It's just a question of, as I said, climbing up that mountain. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think any any, any really good idea obviously has uh, takes a certain amount of getting get, get momentum to a certain place. I mean, but this is this is a large undertaking for sure. Well, the good news is I'm pretty stubborn, so I'm going to keep <laughs> keep working away at this. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, what, what kind of reaction do you get from most people that that you happen to talk to about this idea? I don't think one person has said to me they didn't think it was a good idea. I mean, everybody loves the idea. We uh, Princeton Public Library let us come for Pi Day twice, <clears throat> once on the Saturday before Pi Day and once on March 14th. Um, and we talked to lots of people, retired people, kids, parents, everybody loved the idea. Uh, one woman came up to us and she said, it's about time. So that was kind of fun. Um, people universally like the idea. I mean, uh, all of the folks we've talked to, the scientists, the politicians, the bankers, everybody thinks it's a great idea. So I know it's just a question of time before I crack the code on, you know, getting some people who want to come in and help us kick off the capital campaign with a with a major gift. And of course, there'll be naming opportunities and so forth. But it's a it's an opportunity to contribute to the betterment of Princeton in the future, because, you know, Princeton is a place people come to walk around. They bring their kid in the stroller. You see them on the on the weekends downtown. But at the moment, there isn't really anything to do. They can have a meal, they can shop a little bit, but I feel like, you know, we're more than that in Princeton. This museum will represent sort of who we are as a place, sort of, you know, I don't wanna say intellectual because it sounds wrong, but I mean, a, an idea with some meat on the bones, a thing to do, a thing to think about later, a way to be inspired. It's a completely different direction for the town to take now, but I think Princeton's at a point where it's going to be useful to have something like this that, I mean, you could have meetings there. You could have birthday parties there. You could do all sorts of things there. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important when you look at the mix of opportunities for visitors and people that live in town in the central business district and throughout the town, through all the different business areas is, you know, what are, what are the attractions? And the attractions can't simply be, oh, we have a lot of great restaurants. I mean, there's gotta be more to it. Um, so, you know, I know in a number of meetings I go to, it's that's something that's that's discussed is, you know, what other what other businesses do we need to attract to the town? But it's not just businesses, it's what are the other things that we can bring that are gonna bring people here? And this type of this type of use is, you know, it is something that we don't have. And as you said, the interest is pretty widespread. So I mean I, I gotta think if I'm if I'm coming from wherever and somewhere in Jersey or Eastern Pennsylvania or even New York City, we get a lot of people. This is to me is like a great fit. Well, and in the museum community, we talk about dwell time. Dwell time is how long people stay at your venue. <clears throat> so if we think of Princeton as a venue that people choose to come here on the weekends and they're coming here, you know, to get out of their houses and do something with the kids in the afternoon, when you increase the dwell time, when so they come, they have lunch, then what? They walk around a little bit, then maybe they leave. Or if you have things to do that are very inviting, then they stay. And after they go to the museum, maybe they decide to get a cone or go to a store. Or maybe, you know, when they see there are a number of things to do here, they decide to book a room for the weekend and they stay. Now they're buying, you know, four meals 
and and going to McCarter or going to Morvin or you know going out to the historical society, you start to build more of a sense of Princeton as a hub, a hub of things to do and see, things to think about. And I think it really, um, it enhances the brand of the town, if you will. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, so where, where would you get like the materials and items to put into the museum? Well, this is, <clears throat> this is going to be a little bit different than historical type museum. I'm not going to have Einstein's pipe and his shoes and all that stuff. I mean, for one thing, <laughs> I don't own them. For another thing, <laughs> it's a different kind of museum that requires different insurance requirements and, and uh, you know, fire and safety when you have valuable artifacts. So what I want to do is people are going to come in and there's going to be a, an introductory gallery for some context. You know, what was Einstein doing here? Was he at the university? Everybody thinks he was, but of course he wasn't. He was at the Institute. So he'll, that's will orient people to be some videos and things about Princeton. I also want to talk about Einstein's relationship to, you know, refugees, to well-known uh, Black Americans that he was friends with, like Marian Anderson and Paul Robeson. I want to paint a picture of him as a person, not just a science genius, but a real humanitarian. And then when people complete that, they're going to go into a small um, stand-up video immersion theater where the video is running on six surfaces, floor, ceiling, and walls. And this will be a really stunning video. I found a videographer who has four Emmy Awards who wants to help with this about how Einstein proved, how, how Einstein's theory of the space-time continuum was proven. Uh, it's actually pretty easy to understand, believe it or not. <laughs> and then we're going to have some hands-on exhibits about Einstein's work and and how it influences our lives today, because the things Einstein did contribute to GPS, cell phones working, you know, people at the International Space Station, a broad area of science opened up and has affected our lives through his work. Then up in the ceiling, we're going to have art, large-scale kinetic art to help interpret physics, cosmology, mathematics, and Einstein's work. And that's where uh, Rachel Delo, Professor Delo, is interested in helping we want to invite famous artists as well as high school kids to contribute to that. And then, of course, you'll have at the back, as I mentioned before, a visitor center that people can come into from the back end with restrooms, retail, all that kind of thing. I'm ready to buy my ticket. I'm ready to stop by. <laughs> well, come on in, Mark. You can, you can cut the ribbon, okay? We'll there cut we it go. With, we'll yeah, there cut we it go. with a laser or something interesting. <laughs> what a great idea. Uh, Elizabeth, are there, are there other Einstein museums in the United States? You know, I looked around for a long time because I couldn't believe it was true, but I didn't find one or not even hmm. an exhibit. I found nothing. Um, That's very surprising to me. I don't know why there isn't one. But really, if you think about it, Princeton's the perfect place. He he chose to live here. This is where he came when he left Nazi Germany with a $5,000 bounty on his head. And, you know, in those days, that was big money. Um, he wanted to be here. And so I want him to remain here, if you will. <laughs> Great thought. Um, so, how, Elizabeth, how can people help support this idea? How can they help you move this idea forward? Well, I'm interested in, you know, ideas people might have. They can send an email to Einstein Museum at fastmail, F-A-S-T, fastmail.com. Um, we are looking for uh, contributors to the capital campaign, as I mentioned. A Triumph is moving out of the building at 138 Nassau Street. 
So very soon, I'm going to have to fish or cut bait, if you will, um, decide what to do about that building. But looking at the other retail spaces in town, the ceilings are too low and they're too small. I mean, this is this is the building we need to create this fabulous resource for Princeton. So I hope people will consider making contributions. They can go to the website, which is, again, PrincetonEinsteinMuseum.org. Um, and uh, there are some donate now buttons on the page with PayPal, or they can just drop me an email, as I mentioned, to Einstein Museum at fastmail.com. So I, I guess, and you kind of alluded to this, but I'm going to ask ask it again a lot of times in these podcasts. Like I asked the same question a couple different ways, but um, you know, how do you see the, the Einstein Museum of Science benefiting Princeton? I think there are a lot of ways it's going to benefit the town. I mean, first of all. Just looking at school children in the greater central New Jersey area, it's too long and too far to go up to Liberty Science Center. I know because I commuted. It was three hours round trip often. Um, it's too far to go down to the Franklin. So we need our own science museum in the area. Princeton and the area is heavily reliant on people who are skilled in the STEM area. So science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. We help ourselves when we develop continuity in the community of scientists in the area um, and, and for field trips and things like that. I hope that it will generate enough revenue for other merchants um, and other interesting store types will pop up. I hope that it will begin to um, contribute to the tax base in town uh, through, through you know, a, a tourist tax or something else like that we might want to impose upon places like such as this museum. Um, and again, I think it's really going to help with putting us on the map. I mean, I will tell you all that I did public relations for museums for a long time. I did the opening of Ellis Island um, way back in the day. And I can guarantee that this museum will make, you know, global news when it opens. It's going to be interesting, colorful, fun, exciting. I don't ever want to do anything boring. I always want to do something amazing. <laughs> So I hope that it will make Princeton more amazing and more a uh, more vibrant place to live. Yeah, well, you know, I, I have to agree with you that, it, that, that I think it would. And, and it's, I mean, it's just interesting because of what it is and what it, what it will be. But, you know, there's really, there's really nothing like this in Princeton right now. So. Yeah, I mean, when the art museum reopens at the university, that obviously is a big draw and very interesting to people. There are definitely things to do. Bainbridge House is there. You can go to more of and There are a lot of things to do. But in terms of being right on Nassau Street, right across from the university, and being a hands-on science museum appropriate for kids, we're going to shoot at ages eight and up. There's nothing that really aligns with that right now. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I, I think the whole idea about... Um, the attractiveness of teaching, so to speak, science to young adults and to anyone else that's interested, right? Any adult could stop by. You know, I was, I, you know, I stopped at the library the one day that, that you were there um, around Pi Day and uh, you, you had the, I, I forget what the setup was, but it was something where people, I, I think it, like what happened to their voice or something as they got closer to a black hole or sound waves, I, you know, sorry that I don't remember exactly, but I just remember no, okay. how cool this was. So, I mean. Well, we developed a small prototype desktop exhibit that I want to take around. You know, if people are interested in funding or just want to know more about the museum, I'm happy to meet them somewhere or come to where they are or they can come to where I am. It is a round black speaker. Um, that is our black hole. And we have an iPad 
um, I developed with uh, someone who writes software, which is not me, um, an exhibit where when you move the iPad closer to the black hole, their narration slows way down and stops because when you approach a black hole, um, all waveforms basically stop because they're influenced by the very, very strong gravity at the black hole. So kids loved walking up and hearing the voice go very slow and then they walk away and it, you know, the pace picks up again and, and they got it. They understood what was happening there. That's the kind of experience I want to have. You Kids can understand. I mean, I learned at Liberty Science Center, kids can understand more than you think they can. Yeah. Kids are remarkable little sponges. So I don't ever want to talk down to them. I want to tell them the real science in a way that they can understand it. And there was something I used to aim for at the Science Center, which I called brain candy. You know, you want that aha moment where people are sort of delighted by a new concept or idea and they walk away and think about it afterwards. So brain candy is what I want to give people. I want to give them something sweet inside of their heads that they can mull over for a while and maybe read up on later or investigate because that is the beginning of sort of investigational natures in people is that they say, wait a minute, that was cool. So that really is where I want to go. Yeah, I hear you. I, I love hearing the uh, the enthusiasm, and it's, and it, it, this is also well thought out, Elizabeth. I mean, this is this is this is so impressive, uh, and I I really hope that this is going to be successful for a lot of reasons. Well, I hope so too. I hope so too. And you know, there's no downside on trying to do this. I mean, really, it would be so good for the town. I just need to crack that nut and find the right people. Um, but if nothing else, we're sort of spreading the word about Einstein in Princeton, and, and there are a lot of people um, around the world. I mean, I spoke to the woman who's trying to start an Einstein museum in Ulm, Germany, where he was born, and, you know, she also is very intrigued, and there is some chance we may share some exhibit development costs to kind of keep the cost down and so forth. So I have spoken to literally hundreds of people, and every one of them thinks this is a good idea. So I feel excited about it. Right. Well, I, I hope this podcast helps to get the word out, and uh, and everyone that's listening, if you if you if you know people that have the the means, the connections, or are good at raising money, I mean, you know, sh share what you're hearing here today, right? Absolutely. And Mark, I want to thank you for your leadership as mayor. I think it's it's really fabulous that you've embraced this idea, and that we're we're going to do something good for the town. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day. You know, as mayor, but just as somebody that lives here, you, you know, you, you always hope that you uh, help promote the ideas that in the long run are going to be good for the town. And and Elizabeth, I really have to firmly say that I, I just see this as being such an asset to the town if this can happen. This is on so many levels. This is going to just just be so helpful to have in our downtown. Yeah, I think people will su be surprised at how great it is, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, it's just one of those things people look at several years after it opens and go, man, why didn't somebody think of that sooner? Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. That's right. Yeah. Yep. All right. So they can go again. People can go to the website. They can uh, or contact you directly. You've, you've said that. So, uh, Elizabeth, I, I really want to thank you for spending time with us today and, and sharing this fabulous idea with us. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate your support and I want everyone to join us. So come on in, people. There's lots of room for ideas. Thank you for joining us for episode 15 of the Princeton Podcast, produced as a community service by HG Media, providing audio, video, and website design services here in Princeton since 1999. 
If you enjoyed this episode of the Princeton Podcast, please share it with your friends and be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.